today on CityCast Denver. When it comes to the economy, the headline of the summer is the so-called labor shortage. But is there more to the story than we think? America loves to talk about how lazy people are, or how much they don't want to do things. And the people who the people who say that are the people who run these companies who don't work 10-hour shifts. They don't work open and closed doubles. They don't work 50, 60 hours a week for no overtime. Today and tomorrow on the show, I'm talking to Denver business leaders who have a very different way of looking at this moment in our economy and are taking bold steps to prepare for the future. We don't have a control over a lot of this, but here's what we do have control over. Um, and a huge part of that was tipping and the whole tipping structure. Today is Tuesday, June 8th, 2021. I'm Paul Caroli, and this is CityCast Denver. I've got a fresh batch of news for you. It's going to be another hot one today. We're looking at clear, sunny skies and highs in the mid-90s. But hey, as of yesterday, a lot of our public pools are open, so maybe today's the day for a lunch hour swim. With Denver International Airport CEO Kim Day set to depart next month, Mayor Hancock named her successor yesterday. If our city council approves the pick, former RTD CEO Phil Washington will arrive back in Denver from a stint leading the LA Metropolitan Transportation Authority. And that means it'll be his responsibility to shepherd the absolute boondoggle of a Great Hall project to completion. Does Washington also think the airport should be a destination for fine dining and generally hanging out instead of tolerating for as little time as possible the way I treat it? I guess we'll find out soon. I, for one, will be totally fine if they never put up that weird little ice rink out there ever again. The one ice rink I will be paying attention to today is the one inside Ball Arena. It's Game 5 of the Avalanche's second-round matchup against the Vegas Golden Knights. And, as promised, this series has been extremely tight. Just really high-quality, fast-paced, up-and-down hockey. It's been such a joy to watch. The Knights crushed the Avs on Sunday, tying the best-of-seven series at two, so look for Nathan McKinnon in the Avs' top line to have a little extra motivation on home ice tonight. I don't know about you, but for the past few weeks, my feeds have been full of chatter about a labor shortage in the service industry. A labor shortage is hitting hotels nationwide. I'm Still, employers are reporting historic labor shortages. And some businesses are having trouble hiring enough workers to reopen fully. And this isn't just some big national economic trend. It's happening right here in Denver. Just yesterday, I saw a picture of a sign up at the Ninth Door, that wine bar in Cap Hill. It said they wouldn't be able to open on Sundays anymore because, quote, sadly, due to government handouts, no one wants to work anymore. Personally, I'm skeptical of this whole labor shortage narrative. It seems to me that it's only a tiny piece of a much broader, much harder to define shift in our economy. Because this pandemic changed a lot of things, including how much we value our time and money. So today and tomorrow on the show, I'll be talking with local business leaders who have made big, risky decisions to adapt to that broader shift to see if we can understand a little better what this new normal is going to feel like right here in Denver. I am, in fact, awake. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> L. Taylor is founder and co-owner of Amethyst Coffee, 
a small chain of specialty coffee shops. Yesterday, I sat down with Elle outside the Amethyst on Broadway to talk about their decision in May of 2020, at the height of the lockdown, when their revenue stream was hardly a trickle, to do away with tipping, raise prices, and give their employees a raise. All right, uh, we're sitting here with L. Taylor, owner, co-owner? Co-owner, founder. Co-owner, founder mm-hmm. of Amethyst Coffee Shop. It's my first in-person interview of the show, so thanks so much for joining us on CityCast. Yeah, wild. Happy to be here. Can you tell us about your shop, about Amethyst? Yeah, I can. Um, it's always kind of hard to sum it up, but we've been open at this location for six years. Um, we now have three locations around Denver and the Edgewater area. And like at first glance, we're just a coffee company. You know, we, you walk in, you order a coffee, we give it to you and you leave. It's like, seems pretty simple. But as a company, one of our goals has always been to be as worker focused as possible. Um, and to kind of really make sure that we're always plugged into social issues and uh, political issues, economic issues, and how that affects our staff. Now, that kind of goes right into my next question. I mean, about one year ago, you eliminated tips and raised prices. Yes. So that was like right at the beginning of the pandemic. Why? Yeah, so we closed on, I think, March 13th. From March until May, we were closed. And in that time, Breezy and myself, my, my business partner's name is Breezy, um, both had a chance to like slow down and kind of just look at what we were doing and look at how our company was run and look at all the changes we had always wanted to make and look at what was happening socially and economically and say like, okay, well, we don't have a control over a lot of this, but here's what we do have control over. Um, and a huge part of that was tipping and the whole tipping structure. Basically, the way we've always felt is that nobody should have to rely on like the whim of somebody else in order to pay their rent. Like you shouldn't have to not know that somebody had a bad morning and not know exactly how to greet them so they don't tip you and then, you know, you can't eat later. Like that is a bad system. Yeah. <laughs> um And I think everyone agrees that that's a bad system, but I don't think that people really understand how impactful it is or what that power dynamic feels like when you're in it. So anything we could do to kind of change that dynamic was uh, was really important to us. And at a time when people were really listening to what was happening and what life was really like for service industry workers when like our government was like, well, you have to be open, but we're telling everyone who would pay your bills to stay home. So like not only will you not make any money, but the people you do see you might be exposed to like a deadly virus. It's what? an impossible position. <laughs> yeah, truly, it's impossible. So something that I thought was like really illuminating when, when we were talking last week mm-hmm. was when you told me about the history of tipping and I didn't know this, yeah. like and how how it illustrates this power imbalance that you're talking about yeah. people engage into without thinking. Like, What is that history? Yeah, so um, tipping was born, especially in the service industry after slavery was abolished and emancipated slaves ended up working as like porters on railroads. They ended up working in like the service industry hospitality sector. But since the, there was really no, there were really no parameters on how to pay these people, how to pay black people in America because they had never been paid. And so what happened was they were like, oh, well, we'll pay you this much and you can, you can make tips. So they paid them nothing and said that they could make tips from people as porters or servers. And then as that went on, it became very, everyone was like, okay, this is bad. <laughs> like, we can't do this. But 
the restaurant corporations and um, railroad corporations were so powerful at that time that they were like, well, we're not going to pay you more. Like you can you can fight all you want. And this is this is just how it's going to be like we make more money this way. And so now because it's so ingrained, we carry that to today when the minimum wage has not risen with the cost of living. I mean, that, that story is just incredible to me. I didn't know that. And like I said, it just yeah. completely changed my perspective on tipping. And now I feel bad when I'm, when I'm presented with this opportunity it's to do confusing, it. It's like, confusing, right? Well, I, don't know, I don't know what the right thing to do is. Yeah, and I think that's, that's the part that really makes me sad is that like, like our system yeah. is bad. And therefore, that causes us all this other guilt and like this, psycho, this weird like psychological trauma that like could be fixed systemically, but the people in power who don't want to make less money won't fix it. Yeah. Which is bad also <laughs> and it's just it's just bad feelings yeah it's just totally bad feelings. yeah like, I, don't, I don't like walking into a shop and feeling like oh should i be tipping more or like did did, did the service rise to the level of a more than 20 percent tip right here? and like who are any of us to judge know. what 20 percent like what service like that is worth you know like what if that person like me i'm a single person and i live alone but like I know a lot of people who work in the service industry are single mothers. Like they need more money than I do. So like, but they're also more tired than I am. So they're like when they're trying harder than me, maybe like they're still more tired than me. So maybe they still come off a little bit less engaged than I do. I don't know. Like there's so much that goes into that, that it's like, it's an impossible thing to assess. All right. So one of the reasons that I wanted to talk to you is because We've been reading these reports in the media for the last few weeks about a so-called labor shortage. Like, my wife was just driving home the other day and she wanted to stop and buy a bagel and the Einstein brothers near our house was closed. And they had a sign up that said, we're closed because we can't hire enough people. There's not enough people to want to work here. So we're just closed. Yeah. Have you at Amethyst had any trouble hiring or maintaining staff through the pandemic? I mean, no. Uh... (laughs) They always want to make it so complicated when really it's not complicated. They just never want to talk about the actual problem, which is that people finally understand that they're like, I'm not going back to work like that. I'm not going back to work for $11 an hour plus tips where for those tips, I have to work myself to the bone to make that like, you know, I know bartenders who make five, six hundred dollars a night, but they are busy for six hours and then they hard work yeah it's hard work you're on your feet you're talking to people you leave and you're sticky and tired and and I mean coffee too like all day on your feet you're like my hands are so gross and like cracked and brown all the time just from like coffee that's never going away probably and I think that nobody wants to talk about how exploitative these industries are they just want to talk about how people don't want to work. America loves to talk about how lazy people are or how much they don't want to do things. And the people who the people who say that are the people who run these companies who don't work 10-hour shifts. They don't work open and closed doubles. They don't work 50, 60 hours a week yeah. for no overtime. Yeah. Like, they don't do that. Yeah, they're just seeing the numbers. They're not seeing what I think is the bigger story, that this is like the pandemic has spark this change in values yeah that's what the economy really is is just like people deciding how much a dollar is worth to them totally and what they want to do to to make that extra extra dollar totally and so i know a lot of people in coffee or hospitality who have you know they're they've gone to coding school so they're like in the tech tech world now or you know just are they like open their own vintage shop or they now work with their partner or they 
they've just changed their lifestyle to be like, oh, well, this is actually how we can make this work, so I don't have to go back to doing that. Um, but then I think it's also important to talk about the people who don't have that option, the more privileged folks who, or like economically privileged folks who, who get to leave the service industry, like it's going to create holes that are then filled by people who don't have other options, yeah. who will still be forced to work for the $7, $11. Like that's not going away for somebody. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the accessibility piece, that's, that's also relevant on the other side of this. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm curious how, um, how you feel like your, the model that you've adopted here with the no tipping, the higher prices, like, do you think that that's replicable for the rest of your industry? Yes. Simple answer. I think it's replicable. I don't think that this is a solution or at least not a long-term widespread solution. So I think it is definitely a really good agitation for what's happening socially and politically and economically right now, where it makes people think, it makes people ask questions about like, where did tipping come from? Why do we have it? Why is it problematic? But ultimately, like I said, a latte for us is $7.31 with tax. That's not a cheap drink. Like it's not, that's not an accessible daily thing for a lot of people. So really, I think what I'm hoping this conversation turns into always is like a talk about like why rent is so high and why that's a problem, why people can't afford to have a house and like a roof over their heads and why they can't afford to eat. Sure. And uh, and people exploiting the population that way. Sure. Sure. Well, what would you tell other businesses, other owners of businesses that are intrigued by some of these ideas, uh, but scared about adopting them for themselves? Yeah, I would say that um, the scary part goes away really quickly. <laughs> that once you kind of take the leap into making a change like this, like I didn't make this change for six years. It took me six years and a pandemic to do this. And it wasn't just me, it was us. But once we did, it was, you know, it's it's pretty commonplace now. Like we get the couple people who are like, oh, that's too expensive. And I'm like, that's fine. But we always had those people. Yeah, I would say that at the end of the day, if you want to look at it from a cost perspective, you will retain your employees better, the better you treat them. And that doesn't just mean like treating them nicely or with kindness. That means treating them with economic justice. L. Taylor, thanks so much for joining us on CityCast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Tomorrow on the show, we're continuing our tour of the changing economy. Remember when L said that a lot of service industry workers are leaving for code schools? I'm going to sit down with the head of one of Denver's finest to hear why they decided to take their classes remote and stay remote for good. That's all for us today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell a friend about us? Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter. That's at denver.citycast.fm. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Until then, I hope you have a really good day.